up your Bibles to Psalm 34. I kicked things off tonight by asking about how we did wrestling. We're on this little short, little two-week spiritual interlude, a little break, a little rest before we dive into a major series on Wednesday night starting next Wednesday, and then a major series starting up uh, not this Sunday, but next Sunday. And so we need a little bit of a spiritual interlude, and I titled this Rest and Wrestling. Last week we covered the wrestling aspect of it with a passage that has come to be extraordinarily important in my life, Genesis 32. And I don't know if you guys, I mean, we kind of hammered this, and as just, a, I guess, a little bit of a refresher and a recap, that is a passage that whenever we talk about really praying earnestly with God, that is a passage that is kind of a go-to for a lot of people. We always say, oh, he's wrestling with the Lord. And that's usually an analogy that we use to say that, man, he's really just praying earnestly. There's a passage in the Garden of Gethsemane when Christ, when he goes up to his disciples and he was like, being in agony, he prayed the more earnestly, even though he was agonizing, even though he was going through this trial of knowing that the cross was before him. He prayed the more earnestly to help him get through that time of unrest, that time of uneasiness and a lack of peace. And not only that, but Paul even said, strive with me in my prayers. I think it's Romans 15. He said, strive with me in prayers. It is a fight sometimes when we really have somebody that God has laid on our heart, when we really have a task or something that, that is important before us, a mountain, if you will, that we want to seek to win for Christ. We can't just go about it haphazardly. We can't just go into it all willy-nilly. Sometimes it is a fight. And it's a fight to the death. And it's something that God has to sometimes break us in to get us into the fight like we saw with Jacob last week. And so talking about wrestling and how if we want to rest, if we want peace, we have to fight to enter into that rest, Hebrews talks about. So last week was looking at the wrestling aspect. Tonight I really want to focus on the rest aspect, the peace aspect, the, the learning to take the punches in stride. When you're going through the thick of it, when you're going through a trial, you're going through tribulation and times of testing, before you get to the other side of uh, like Jacob did, sometimes you need to have intermittent spots throughout that trial, throughout that time of testing, or just that time of uneasiness where you learn to rest. And the best place to go to in that is the Word of God. And when I think about resting in the Word of God, I think about the book of Psalms. I asked you guys to go to Psalm 34, right? Think about Psalms. Who can tell me what's significant about that book? What is? What are the Psalms? Prayers. I heard songs and I heard prayers, and you would be right. They were songs. It was Israel's Jewish hymn book, and because it was a hymn book, because it was loaded with songs, you find this one phrase that shows up every now and then, all throughout that book. And anybody know what that one phrase is? That one word. Ethan, Selah, Selah. I don't know how you pronounce it. I always go Selah, but some people go Selah. Tomato, tomato. But Selah, Selah literally means what, Ethan? <laughs> Sorry, thought you would know. Any musicians in here? I don't want to ask Andy any questions the rest of eternity. Yes, Heather. Thank you, Ethan. Oh, yes. Great job, Ethan. <laughs> Selah means rest. And again, for those of you musicians in here, when you're reading a sheet of music and you come across a... What's a musical note that rests? Half rest, a Thank you. Half rest, a quarter rest. What are you supposed to do there, Gracie? You be quiet. You pause. You be quiet. 
Now again, here's the thing that's beautiful about the Word of God. I don't breathe otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> breathe a different way. Here's the beautiful thing about the Word of God. Yes, it was the Jewish hymnal. Yes, it was a songbook, and it was teaching them that when they sang, they were to rest there. But we know from the Word of God that there's also an application that it applies to us today, right? And when you come across that, it's usually God speaking to us saying, you know what, you just need to pause here, camp out on this verse because there's something significant I want you to see. And that's what He wants us to do when we go through Psalms like this. But as Brandon pointed out, it's not just a song book, but it's also a book of prayers. And so I think about rest and wrestling. And last week looking at wrestling and Jacob wrestling in prayer with God and how he prevailed with his desire, with his earnest supplication. I want us to look at a couple other psalms that, um, that really have meant a lot to me in my life. Uh, I'll try to summarize this story as briefly as possible because I, I want us to get into it and I want us to do something here towards the end. Tonight's going to be a different change of pace uh, the way things go because, again, it's a spiritual interlude. We're not doing a series. It's going to be different tonight. Uh, the year was 2017, and um, I remember there was a lot of changes going on. Uh, that year started out, I was, as some of you may or may not remember, that was the year that Heather and I were leaving the kids' ministry, the children's ministry, and I was going to go on to teach adult Sunday school. And I remember with that, it was actually um, Pastor Jay who really gave me the confidence to go ahead and, and make that, that big move because... Uh, um, he just looked at me and said, he's like, you know, I believe that you have this gift of teaching, but it's never really been stretched. And, and honestly, by the time I got in there to, to actually teaching in Sunday school, I loved it. And don't get me wrong, I loved being in the classroom with you guys. Loved teaching you guys, but I had been in it for like 10 years. And you guys, when you were in first and second grade, you kind of a handful. Even Andy. He was a teacher on my staff in the first grade or fifth grade, and he was a handful then. Not much has changed. Still is. Not much has changed. I just read of. Actually, we're going to see a verse tonight. If there is no changes, then there is no fear of the Lord. So that's why he's not changing. He's not listening. <laughs> and so uh, as I made this transition, I remember it was also the year that uh, Heather and I decided, all right, we've been married for three years now. And maybe it's time for God to start growing our family and we should start looking at a house. And, and so, man, January kicks off. I'm teaching. And then, boom, first week after I teach my very first class in the adult Sunday school class, knowing this is where God had me, I have this humongous blow-up with family members of mine. A blow-up that I had not had since my time in high school when I first started walking with God. A knockdown, drag-out fight, and I'm like, man, where did this all come from? And then come to find out a week later that Heather and I are pregnant. And this is January. And then February comes around and we end up losing the baby. March comes around, and we're pregnant again. And I actually start teaching church history for the adults, and I'm getting excited about it, and I'm like, again, Lord, I know you have me here for a reason and a purpose. I know this is a great change of pace. This is where you have me. I trust you on this. There's a lot of changes going on. And then April, we start house hunting, and we go through all these hoops and these ups and downs of, are we going to take this offer? Are they going to accept this offer? Are they going to reject it? And then we get a house in May. So here we are, month of May, about ready to sign on the dotted line for our first house. Heather is two, three months pregnant. And then uh, we get a call from uh, getting an oil changer on our one car, and the guy said, the bottom's about ready to drop out of this thing. It's not safe to drive. You guys really need to think about just totaling it. It's like, oh, man. 
the hits, the hits keep coming. Now it's a, we were up here and now we're down here. We're down to one car. A week later, the Monday after Memorial Day, I get let go from my job. So again, wife at home with three months pregnant who is on the clock before she's done working forever. Just sign on the dotted line for my very first house, down to one car, and I have three months of a severance pay to my name. That's it. And I remember standing outside, vehicleless, thinking of how on earth am I going to get home? And thankfully, hopefully, every single buddy, every single person in here has one person who would be willing to drop everything at their job, come and pick them up when something like that happens to you. So thank you again, man. But I had prospects. I knew that I wasn't going to be unemployed forever. And man, three months of a severance pay, pff, we'll be fine. Heather's still working until October. Well, then one month of 10 job opportunities and 10 interviews and 10 applications filled out and all of them rejected turns into the month of July, turns into the month of August. Three months is all I had left to cover us. Zero job opportunities, zero yes will take you. A lot of interviews, not too many callbacks. And you get to a point after praying and after seeking God through it all and trusting and knowing that He's got a plan because look at everything else He's done so far this year for you. You know He's got a plan. There still comes a part where you start to doubt. There comes a part where you... To over-summarize a point that uh, usually I take an hour just to get to, and so don't take this the wrong way, but there comes a point where suicide is not an option at all. You know that. But you honestly find yourself praying and begging God that he would take you out so that your wife and unborn son can collect the insurance money. Because you're honestly getting to a point where you're like three months of unanswered prayer. Three months of zero opportunity. How on earth is this ever going to pan out? Go figure, the first week of August. What do I come to read in my devotions? Genesis 32. Hence last week's message, where I realized that even though I'd been walking with God for years, there had been a staleness to my walk. There had been a kind of going through the motions, and I've talked about this in the last couple of Sundays, a kind of a checkbox Christianity that, oh, did I do my Bible reading today? Check, I'm good. Did I at least pray once today? Check, I'm good. Did I at least have a good testimony today? Check, I'm good. And you kind of just categorize your walk with God as though it's a checkbox, as though it's a list. And that was never what a relationship with God was supposed to be like. Ever. And I needed to have God hit the hollow of my hip to break me of that. To see that, alright, I'm done playing around. Yeah, sure, got done with JBI. Yeah, sure, I'm serving in the ministry in some capacity. But I've been letting go of you for quite a while now, and now I'm not. During that time, what I was feasting on, what became my food source, were these prayers of other people in the Psalms. And I highly challenge you guys, no matter what it is you're going through, maybe it's not a trial like that, but maybe it's something you're afraid of. Maybe you're afraid of taking that step out in school, having that conversation with that classmate or that teacher or 
somebody you work with or somebody in dance, track, football, whatever the case is. Maybe you're afraid. There's a psalm for that. Maybe you're struggling with just feeling like you're just drowning in just all of your activities and all of your, your, your homework and everything else that's going on at home and in the church plant and then discipleship and then how you fit in all this other stuff. You just feel like you're drowning and overwhelmed. There's a psalm for that. So tonight I wanted to hit just a couple highlights here so that you guys can also have your psalms that you go to to learn to rest in the midst of the storm. So Psalm 34, I love this one. Point number one on your outline, this is a psalm to deliver from fear. We're only going to hit a couple of highlights, but look at verse 4. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Back at the camp, I had mentioned you guys about a couple weeks ago when I shared my testimony, 2003. The theme was Fear Factor. This was one of our memory verses. And thank the Lord we didn't have Andy reminding us about the points that we get from doing verses like this, lest we would do it without a right heart attitude and memorize the verses. That's not me, that's Andrew. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but this was one of our verses. This is one of our memory verses. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Now back in the infancy of our youth group, because we were a youth group back then, not a ministry. This verse helped us when we were doing things like the high ropes course. When we would struggle and get fearful about, can I actually go up here? Can I, can I actually do it with just this little rope harness hanging me up? And we'd remember this verse and it would help us. But then as we started to grow and mature, this verse took on whole new meanings. Can I really take my Bible to school with me? What on earth are others going to think of me? They never really knew I was a Christian before this. Lord, I'm scared. What if I lose all my friends? How on earth can I possibly have open door opportunities if I do that? I sought the Lord. He heard me, delivered me from all my fears. You know what I love about this? It doesn't matter if it's something as small as a high ropes course or something as humongous as being fearful to take your Bible to school. It doesn't matter. You seek the Lord, He's going to hear you on it. Because He cares about even the littlest issues to the biggest issues. It's not trivial to him, although it may be for us. doesn't matter. And look at verse 6. It says, This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I love it, because it, he kind of talks about, sorry if you guys can't see this. You know, in verse 4, he talks about, Seeking, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. And then you drop down to verse 6, and you know what you'll find in life sometimes? That those fears, they turn into troubles. It's not just fear anymore. It's not just something psychological or emotional. No, I am in the muck and the mire. I am in the thick of it now. I am in troubles. And that's when seeking, it turns into crying. wrestling in prayer. Maybe some of you guys are right here where you're seeking God and He's helping you with your fears. Journal things like this. Take note of what He's doing and what He's working in your life because eventually the trouble's coming. Those things where you have no idea how on earth you're going to get out of this situation. But it's okay because when that comes, cry out to Him. 
Get alone with God. Like we mentioned last week, this is where Jesus says in Mark 6, go into the prayer closet. It should be personal. It should be private. Those kind of prayers, they shouldn't be like before you pray to bless the food or before you pray to open up the service. No, you're crying. It's a personal, intimate, deep cry. But he's going to deliver us from those fears. And look again, we saw verse 7 last week. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that, what? Fear him. Because now you're not fearing the situations you're in. You're not fearing your classmates or your family. No, you're fearing him. And he's encamping himself round about you, letting you know, like a big hug, letting you know, I have you and I'm going to deliver you out of all of this. As we continue to seek Him, as we continue to go to Him, we get close to Him, we taste and see that He's good in verse 8. And we realize, look at verse 9, O fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. You'll have no need of anything. Do you have needs in this room right now? Is there something that is bothering you? Not me, Andy. Is there something that's bothering you? that you have no idea what the right decision or what the right outcome is supposed to be? Go to Him. Fear the Lord, ye His saints, for there is no want to them that fear Him. Remember Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not. That means He, ha- he takes care of all of your needs. That means He takes care of all of your fears. It means He takes care of all of your wants. The things that you have need of. That's what He will do. And when we get close to Him, it's always for a purpose. And that purpose is found in verse 22. The Lord redeemeth the soul of His... What? Servants. As we get close to Him, we realize, I need to do something with what I've learned. I need to do something with this newfound boldness I have because I no longer have a fear of man. I no longer have a fear of the situation I'm in. I no longer am curious or anxious about how this is going to unfold. No, I trust Him. I fear Him. I serve Him. He's going to take care of me. Now I'm going to get back to serving. Because when you think about it, any struggle, any trial, any tribulation you go through in life, Granted, as we're going to see in a little bit, God has His plans and purposes as to why He allows that to happen. But who really gets joyful at us going through tribulation? Your mom and dad? No, who is it? Satan. We have an enemy who loves it, the book of Job says, when we are sorrowful. And when that happens... He wants to use and capitalize on those trials to make sure that we don't serve, that we are not doing the things that we are supposed to be doing and shining our light in this dark world. So if he can get us to stop serving, he will have succeeded in whatever trial and pain that he's wanted to inflict on your life. The question is, are we going to let him? If you're struggling with fear, there's a psalm for this for you. Check out Psalm 38 in your own time, but point number two, this is a psalm to bring remembrance of what we've been delivered from. He talks about sin, and David's talking about, man, the the sin that I've got myself in, Lord, he actually talks about how he stinks. He has these open wounds of iniquity that just are rotten and are stinking, and it has a stench that others around can smell. When you're not walking with God, others know it. 
And this whole psalm that he writes in Psalm 38, it is to bring about remembrance of what he's been delivered from. There's a beautiful verse in verse 10 where he talks about the light of his eyes is gone from him. You want to do an interesting word study in the Bible this week? Type in eyes and soul. Look at the first three verses that come up. It's Deuteronomy 11.9, I believe. If you want to write these down. No, I'm sorry. Numbers 11.6, Deuteronomy 4.9. Those are the first two. You know what you find? Your eyes are deeply connected to your soul. The things that you see, the things you allow yourself to see, or the things that you have seen that you choose to forget, like the blessings of God, the work that He's done before in the past, when you choose to forget the things your eyes have seen, or you're allowing your eyes to focus in so much on your problems, you'll find that it'll affect your walk. It'll affect your walk. It'll affect your very soul and how you carry yourself from day to day. And it causes you to forget, just like the nation of Israel, that they were delivered by the blood of a spotless lamb and God took care of all of their enemies. They had nothing to worry about anymore. But instead, they decided to whine and complain about the bread that God was feeding them with. It says that their eyes behold this manna and our soul is dried up. Thanks, God, for what you've given me, but it's not quite enough to help me through with this predicament I find myself in right now. In other words, God, you're not good enough. But thanks for nothing. And again, he talks to him in Deuteronomy about, man, do you guys forget what you just saw? How I had a man stretch forth a staff and waters parted, and I saved all of you guys and then crushed your enemies to death? Did you forget that you saw that? Did you forget what I've done for you? He's remembering. He's causing to bring to remembrance what God has done. And David talks about in Psalm 38, man, our sin, it'll cause us to forget that we were once purged of our former sins. 2 Peter 1.9, that's what Peter says. And you have number three, a psalm for revival. When things are dry, when things are barren, and you need to be revived again. You need it to be as though, you know, David prayed in another psalm, renew unto me the joy of my salvation. It's like you're saved all over again. These are those camp mountaintop moments where God is stirred in you through a camp message and you're realizing what you need to do when you go back to the world. You're revived. You're refreshed. You have fresh eyes. You're reminded of what God's Word says and what you're supposed to do with it. That's what that psalm is. If you're feeling that way now, and it doesn't have to be a camp thing. This whole idea that, oh, I can only have those big, you know, God moments at camp, that's not necessarily how things have to be. You can have it every single morning. When you get up and you feast on the manna that God's given you, you're reminded about what God has done and what He is currently doing in your life right now, presently. Psalm for revival, to shake things up, to awaken that which is dead within us. And I don't know about you guys, it was like this in our youth group. Bobby Brady could probably testify the same thing, but I always remember wintertime. It was always, you know, there's seasons of ministry. I'm sure you've heard Stephen talk about this. There are seasons of ministry, there's seasons of life where it's like, man, our youth group is rocking right now. And there's other times, it's like, man, it's just kind of, we show up, and that's it. Nothing really going on. No one really doing much. I kind of feel, huh? 
And wintertime was always our dead month. It was our dead season. Where not a whole lot was here. And I'll be honest, there's part of me that, and this is going to sound weird, but just hear me out. There's part of me that I look around and there's not really any guests here tonight. I'm kind of glad because this is kind of more of a little bit of a personal, intimate setting. But at the same time, this room was packed out last week. Unless I just really stunk and no one wanted to come back, which is definitely a possibility. But we had to have these seats packed out every single week. It'd be a little bit harder here and come this time next week. But man, we've had these opportunities. I'm glad to see God's doing stuff. But for the rest of us, let's keep looking. And for those of you who have had these opportunities to open doors, let's keep looking for more on top of the ones we've already had. Number four, a psalm for when you want to escape. We're going to turn over here. Look at Psalm 55. Psalm 55. And I need a reader to read verse 6. Sam, loud and clear. And I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. All right, be honest. How many of you, in some shape, form, or another, have prayed or said or thought something just like that? This week, son. <laughs> Lord, I just wish I could run away. Just give me wings and I'll fly away from here. I just want to escape from this scenario. I want to escape from this situation. I don't want to fight the fight today. I don't want to go through with what you have for me. Nope, nope, nope. Just let me fly away. I love it. I love that there's verses like this in our Bible. Because it shows me two things. Number one, this book isn't really that antiquated. It's not antiquated at all. It's not an antique. Andy, in case you need to look that up, I see you on your phone looking it up. Oh, that's what it means. It's not an antique. It's very relevant today. But you know what else it shows me? David thinks just like us. The man after God's own heart struggled with those same struggles and fears and anxious moments like we do. But I love this. Because I'm always reminded whenever I'm feeling that way, whenever I want to pray that, whenever I just want to run away and hide and escape from all of the troubles and the woes and the cares of the world, I'm reminded of verse 7. Someone want to read that? Here's what would happen. Lydia. Say la. Rest here. Pause. Don't you dare read forward on verse 8 until you've really meditated on this. You see, when we are struggling with the idea and this, this mindset and mentality of wanting to run away and escape from all the troubles and the cares of this world, that's the exact kind of mentality that the Israelites had when they were wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, not going into the promised land, not doing what God had them saved to do. It's the exact same mentality. You see it again and again in the book of Numbers and in Exodus. Oh, that we were back in Egypt. Oh, that we were back in the world system again. Things were so good when we were slaves. When we start thinking that, and if we start dwelling on that for so long, we're not going to amount to much in our walk with Christ. 
We're just going to be wandering afar off and we're going to remain in the wilderness, never taking our mountain, never claiming our land, never accomplishing anything for Christ. Again, the fact that David prayed it and said it shows us that it's human to feel that from time to time. We can't just stay there. We can't just camp out there. We have to move forward. But if you're struggling with that idea of wanting to escape, you feel like running away this week, calling off school, I felt like calling off work. This is a psalm for you. Read it. Chew on it. Meditate on it. Selah. Next, number six. I'm sorry, number five. Psalms to readjust the heart. Man, understand that when you're in the storms of life, those storms aren't going to go away, but at least you have a refuge in Christ that you can go to. Number six, a psalm to press forward. You know, something else real quick about, point, about number five, psalms to readjust the heart. If you're having problems with the people around you, it's okay because so is the psalmist there in Psalm 57. Someone's saying something about you that's not true. Somebody do something to you that really aggravated you and caused you to stumble. Same thing happened there in Psalm 55. Check it out. See what his prayer was. When he got distracted by that, he said, All right, I need to readjust my heart. My heart is fixed, O oh God. My heart is fixed upon Thee. He repeats it. It's almost as if he needed to just, No, the first time wasn't enough. I really need to focus. I'm not going to get distracted over this, Lord. Number six, a psalm to press forward. More on that in a second. Number seven, a psalm for when you're feeling, or sorry, a psalm when you feel you're drowning. If you're battling with anxiety, you feel like you're just overwhelmed with the cares and the concerns of this world, that's your psalm. Pay attention to how many references that he talks about water where he feels like he's drowning. And if you want to write down Psalm 61, verse 2, that's where David prays, Lord, I am overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You're drowning in the sea. You want to seek high ground. You want to seek that rock. That's your psalm. For when you feel like you're drowning, when you feel like you're just battling anxiety. I can't deal with this. I can't deal with her. I can't deal with him. Number eight, a psalm for a calming reminder. Let's turn over here real quick. Go to Psalm 69. Again, if you're going through the thick of it right now, whatever it is you're going through, whatever it is you're battling through, you can rest in these promises, in these songs. Look at verse 1. Can I get a reader for that? Ethan. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. Does that sound like a guy who everything is going peachy for him? Does it? No. Save me, O God, the waters are coming into my soul. Alright. Psalm 70, verse 1. Another reader there. Andy. Make haste, O God, Deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Does that sound like everything is going very, very calm and smooth and that there's absolutely nothing to be worried about whatsoever? No. I don't know about you guys, but Psalm 69, 70, and 71 all show up on my two pages here. You see verse 1 of 69, you see verse 1 of 70. 
And then you see verse 1 of 71. Someone read that. Kendall. One day just seems like, oh goodness, today was a day. Just got nothing right. I bombed that test. Everyone made fun of me. I sucked at football today. Whatever the case may be, ah, tomorrow's always a new day. And then tomorrow comes, and it's Psalm 70. And tomorrow is worse than yesterday. Have that happen? Have that happen this week? I see some heads nodding. You know what I'm reminded of? There's always a Psalm 71 after Psalm 69 and 70. Those first two, negative. Not sounding good. Save me. Make haste. And then you come, In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Even if tomorrow is a repeat of Psalm 69 and Psalm 70, if you can come to that point in your life, you can come to that point in your walk where you're like, you know what? If this is like this every single day of my life, so be it, because God is still God. He rose himself from the dead and he saved my wretched soul. I'm sure he'll be able to take care of the things that I have coming up tomorrow. And then number nine. A psalm for when things seem to appear utterly hopeless. Turn over to Psalm 88 real quick. Look at verse 10. Can I get a reader for Psalm 8810? Alana. Will thou show wonders to the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise thee? See <laughs> What's the answer? Will God show wonders to the dead? Can dead people praise him? Looking at a room full of people who were once dead. Hopefully. Because hopefully, the Lord Jesus Christ has made you a new creature because you were once dead. And now He has made you alive in Christ Jesus, renewed, a new being, a new creature, and you are praising God, doing what He's asked you to do on a daily basis. You read the entire psalm, it is a psalm of great affliction. He starts off in verse 1, I cried day and night before thee, my soul is full of troubles, I'm a man that has no strength. On and on and on he goes. And then he says that in verse 10, Can the dead praise thee? Selah. You better ponder it. You know what I love about this? This is a song or a psalm of the sons of Korah. You know who Korah is? A man who led a rebellion against Moses and against the entire nation of Israel to try to wipe them out. One of their own. He was a wicked man. His sons, however, went on to be some of the greatest warriors and some of the greatest songwriters all throughout the Bible. You know what that tells me? And thank God doesn't matter about your family upbringing. doesn't matter what your family life is like. doesn't matter what things have happened in your past and in your family. The sons of Korah, their dad was a wicked man. 
and God used them to be some of the greatest warriors and to write some of the most powerful songs in all of Scripture. They had rough days too. But when you pause on a verse where it says, Selah, verse 10, you start pondering about what you know about the Bible, what you know about your own life, how I was once dead, but God made me a new creature in Christ Jesus. So now I can praise Him. And man, when I think about that, this trouble and these struggles and this anxiety that I have, it kind of pales in comparison. It kind of pales in comparison to how good I have it in Him. Here's what I want to do. We got a couple minutes left. I really wanted it to be about a half hour, but somebody in the back, I won't name names, just decided to talk a little bit too much. I want us to split up into groups of four pretty quickly. I want two groups to go into the fellowship hall, and I want maybe four or five groups in here. Again, three or four people. I want you guys to either read Psalm 42, number three on your outline, or Psalm 63, pick one or the other, and I actually timed it last night. There's only 11 verses in either of them. It should only take about a minute and a half. Read that together as a group. And here's just a couple of things I put on here that we need to pray for. We got a lot of things that God is doing, a lot of things that God is involved in our midst with a church plant. Uh, did we forget that one of our own men is over on the other side of the planet doing the work? we got to pray for Tyler, for Eddie and Sarah and Piggy and Elena. Zach, for those who don't know his name. we got outreach studies coming up. we got a Revelation series coming up on Wednesdays. We have camp. we got VBS. we got a Mexico missions trip coming up. There are a lot of things to be praying for. Psalms were not just songs, but they were prayers unto God where men of a history like David, men with a history like the sons of Korah, men with no name at all. We'll conclude with that. Praying and wrestling with God because they had a lot of unrest. They had a lot of uneasiness in their lives. And so what did they do? They ran to the Father. They ran to God alone and sought His help. They sought Him. He delivered them from all their fears and their troubles. I want us to split up and take 10 minutes and let's pray together. And then we'll come back here. We'll wrap this up with point number 10. Sound good? Three to four. We don't have a lot of time, so let's keep the talking and the chit-chat to a minimum. Share any kind of personal prayer request you guys got, but let's get together and do it. Leaders, you guys can join in with one group just to kind of keep the peace, I guess. I trust you guys. I don't think you're going to get too rowdy. But let's get rolling. Three or four. You can just be with the people that you're sitting near. All right, I think this is everybody. Let's go ahead and uh, wrap it up with just this last bit here. One more verse. Psalm 102. Go ahead and turn there. Psalm 102. Hours late. We're going to wrap it up here. I hope that you guys were able to kind of share some things that stood out to you in uh, Psalm 42 or 63. Again, those are go-to psalms really about just pursuing after God, wanting more of Him, pressing forward in our walk. But number 10, a lot of these seem like they're in negative context. And man, a lot of these are in a negative context. It's the background of it. But then you have Psalm 102. And number 10 on your outline, this is a psalm to remember the mission despite weakness. 
I don't know if you guys have a Bible where it kind of has like a little bit of a, a header underneath where it says Psalm 102. Does anybody have that? Do you guys see that? Yes. Mine says, A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and poureth out his complaint before the Lord. You know what that tells me? We have absolutely no idea who wrote this psalm. It's nameless. It's a guy who, for whatever reason, the Lord saw fit not to include in his word forever. We don't know who he was. So for those of you who feel like maybe you're in the background, you're the forgotten one, this psalm's for you. As it is for all of us, because it's all a reminder of our mission that we're supposed to do. Look at verse 17 and 18 as we conclude tonight. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created. You know this is a reminder of? The mission. People not yet created. People who are not yet created as new beings. It's a reminder for us to keep doing the work, to keep pressing forward, to not get distracted by the trials, the tribulations, the lack of peace, the unrest, the uncertainty of the situations we find ourselves in, not to be moved. Paul said, none of these things moved me. We just need to be focused on the mission and getting new souls saved, new creatures in Christ, calling upon Him to save them so that they too can fulfill their mission of worshiping and praising God in spite of the weakness that we go through, in spite of the trials and the tribulations and the testings that we all have. Rest in these verses. Rest in these psalms when things get tough. I'll tell you the story of how it ends in another day. Short, long story short, I ended up getting a job and I didn't run out of money. Hey, all right, all right, all right. Let's pray. We got to get going. Father, I do want to thank you again. A uh, little bit of a late night, but man, I really wanted to do something different tonight, and I just trust that this is what you, uh, you led us to do. It was good to be able to get together and pray, and God, I pray that even though we'll be in separate locations this time, wow, this time next week, um, pray we wouldn't stop praying for each other, pray we wouldn't stop praying for uh, and with each other for the mission and the work that you've given us. We love you and pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen.